Welcome to the Rick Central Podcast, unofficial analysis of Rick and Morty. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing, Katie? I'm good. We just caught up on all the latest news in between this and the last Rick and Morty episode, so I'm now ready to launch into some of our psychological evaluation of these characters. Yeah, I'm excited to wrap up season one. It feels like we're we're making progress, we're whipping through this show, and it's been an interesting experience to dig into Rick and Morty a little bit deeper. Yes. I, I'll, I'll say that. And I feel like as it as the show, like the early on, I felt like we were grasping more first yeah. draws to try to come up with something to talk about, but like now as the characters, they're, 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 we're getting a little more depth. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the show definitely, like a lot of shows, takes a few episodes to sort of get it going. So yeah, I think um, I think the second season will have just a little more content to dig into mm-hmm. with each episode. Um, today we'll be covering the close Rick counters of the Rick kind. We got a double Rick in that one. And then Rixie Business, um, which is the season finale. So Close Encounters, or rather Rick counters of the Rick kind, is an episode where we find that uh, Rick has been wrongfully accused of murdering 27 other Ricks from some of these alternate dimensions and kidnapping all their Mortys. Someone is killing Ricks and taking Mortys. And so there's, we come to learn there's this huge trans-dimensional council of Ricks uh, that have, that it's kind of a council on a whole citadel where all Ricks and Mortys live. It's very interesting. And they kind of did this to escape government, kind of the intergalactic government, and in doing so created their own form of government that's solely based on Ricks. And so these Ricks arrest uh, our Rick that we know and love. They escape, and he finds the actual Rick who has been killing all of these Ricks, and there's a bit of a battle, and Morty leads an uprising with all these other Mortys, and then the uh, Rick kind of saves the day. And, and as it turns out, we learn a couple of, of big things in this episode. One, uh, Rick keeps Morty around because their differences in intelligence, actually Morty, his low relative to Rick, low intelligence, masks Rick's very high intelligence so he can't be tracked. That's one thing that we learn, and Morty doesn't take that very well because he kind of learns and accuses Rick of just keeping him around uh, as a tool, just like his lab coat or his, or his portal gun. And then we also find out, and this is a developing storyline throughout the series, um, the kind of the bad Rick who was doing all this is actually just being controlled by an evil Morty, and so that's kind of an interesting really little story. Really flip then. the script there. They really do. So, and evil Morty does make uh, another appearance later on in the series that we will get to someday. Um, so, kind of a fun, interesting episode it pushes along the overall plot in a couple of big ways. I think so. One of my favorite aspects of it was actually seeing like the nicest version of rick that jerry kind of bonds with rick j one i I, there's some symbols in there they call him doofus okay it's pretty hurtful (laughs) yeah i don't like that i mean well he kind of i get it but (laughs) he's also the only nice one oh he's very sweet especially to jerry he is and it's so interesting because you see jerry's kind of like taken by the fact that this guy who's really usually a huge jerk is acting yeah. differently it's kind of hard to compute for him yeah there there are some ricks who have taken uh are kind of taken a base at at jerry and beth's house waiting mm-hmm. to intercept rick if he comes back and yeah there's a couple of nice moments with doofus rick which i mm-hmm. i'm hesitant to call him but 
um, and Jerry, there's one part in particular I remember where Jerry shows him these like commemorative commemorative R two D two coins that he has. So what do you think of these coins that he's been insulted for having by from Rick? And this other Rick goes, you know, Jerry, I'm not gonna tell you that they're gonna go up in value. And honestly, they might even go down in value, but they obviously have some sentimental value to you, and that's what really matters. And Jerry actually starts crying and gives him a hug. And says, when are you leaving? And then he says, well, when we find Rick. And then Jerry just says, I found mine. Oh, I thought that was so it nice. Is. And it's such a, like, the premise of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network about just, like, celebrating the geeky and the yeah. nerdiness and things that make you happy, which is, like, so opposite of Rick, who's just, like, well, he just isn't about people being happy. He's more about himself getting to do fun stuff. Yeah. That is nice. No. So I appreciated seeing Rick in that form. It was fun. And I think we also learned, I think this actually is a theme in the series, that the Rick and Morty that we know are the Rickiest Rick and the Mortiest Morty. So they're like, they're, I don't, it's not fully explained what that means yet, but they actually are like the most true versions Mm -hmm. of themselves maybe, or maybe like the prime versions. So that's kind of interesting too. And then we found out, whether or not there's actually a prophecy that the Morty that we know is the one true Morty. So I don't know. Maybe that'll all boil down to the one true Morty versus evil Morty. Hard to say. There's yeah. a lot going on. Oh, it'll be cool to see. I um, I didn't have much from a psychological perspective to talk about from that episode. I had more from Rixie Business. Were there anything yeah. that you wanted to talk about? The only real thing is it's another example, and kind of ironic, Rick comments on like, the reason that they did this was to avoid government and authority because Rick is so averse to society and rules. Um, but in doing so, all these other Ricks have developed their own society and rules and hierarchy. And it's it was interesting that the Rick that we know kind of recognized that. It was like, look, this is exactly what we all hate. You're doing it again. I don't want to be a part of yeah, it. Yeah, isn't that so interesting? I mean, I do think that's the idea, and certainly that's been a theme throughout time, literature, and history, that like basically if you put people in anywhere, they end up creating those yeah. things. Like We kind of need that to an mm-hmm. extent. Now, obviously, the types of structures can vary quite a bit, but from Rick's perspective, he just doesn't like any authority structure and... Well, he thrives on chaos. Yeah, Other than, sure. like, him as ruler of everything. Yeah. He does like that. Yes. But only if it's really him, not all of his other people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, let's jump over to Rixie Business. So, this episode, it's another one of these kind of uh, concurrent plots. Jerry and Beth go to participate in a reenactment of Titanic, which has all sorts of unexpected twists and turns, where in which someone who is maybe obsessed with Titanic Titanic, and becomes a little bit enamored with Jerry, uh, tries to recreate several plot points of Titanic with him, and then the ship actually misses the iceberg, which is traumatic or, like, not expected. It's very weird. Um, but back at the house, Rick is supposed to be in charge of Morty and Summer, but uh, instead they have a huge party, mostly led by Rick and Summer, inviting all of their friends and Morty, the whole time is just running around trying to clean up and keep things not from breaking because um, before they leave, I think it's Jerry says, like, if anything happens, like, you're out of here, Rick. We can't keep you around anymore. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep keep the kids safe, keep the house safe. And, and the house is literally transported to a different planet and filled with aliens. So he robots. definitely took what Jerry said dark. Did you ever yeah. throw a party at your house when your parents went out of town? No, I never did. Well, aren't you well-behaved? <laughs> yeah. oh, well, well-behaved or, or had a boring childhood. It's sort of however you want to interpret that. I may or may not have. Sure. I don't think my parents will be mad at this point. 
Well, nothing as bad as what occurred here. The statute of limitations has sort of run out on that one. I don't think they listen to my podcast anyway, so there's a little chance of them finding out. Yeah, um, I... One of the things I do like about Rick and Morty as a side note is they obviously a lot of the time build on themes of other movies or TV shows. Yeah. And like that, I mean, that's something that's recurrent through a lot of different like teenage high school movies. But I think that's fun that they take it and then make it real weird. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is kind of fun. We get to actually meet a lot of the characters in the broader Rick and Morty universe in this episode who come back like bird person. And uh, there's that little gears guy. He's just kind of has gears in his face and his body and he's part of the gear wars and squanchy these are all characters who have recurrent roles on the rest of the series so it's kind of cool because with this last episode they set up in some ways a broader universe that they expand into throughout the next season it's a fun episode it is it is to me there are two key points that i Mm -hmm. thought were were worth discussing one of them is morty has an well so well it's they're actually one point with two sub points but um, so so morty obviously has this conflicted at best relationship with rick like he's close to him but it's also i mean he also does a lot of horrible things to him so he has this conversation with um bird person and says that rick is actually masking a great deal of inner pain and basically says you know morty if you want to stop dealing with rick just leave the place destroyed since jerry's like you yeah. know, keep you got to keep the house safe. So there, there are two things about that. So Morty agrees that 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 might be the best thing that could happen because he'd get rid of Rick if he did that. Um, and Bird Person then teaches him um, a saying that means whatever lets you sleep at night. So anyway, the two things. One I wanted to talk about is if you think Rick really is in deep pain inside, and what we know that from a psychological perspective. And secondly, clearly. What they end up doing is freezing time so that they can fix up the house and Rick can stay. And that's Morty's option. So I thought maybe those two things we could talk about. Yeah. I do think that Rick is in a lot of pain. So yeah, we find out that his signature catchphrase, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, actually means, that, I think, help me, I'm in great pain. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they, they start to show hints of that throughout the series. Because when it starts... I think Rick is a pretty shallow character, but I think as we learn more about him, he, we, there is a lot more depth to the character than, than is initially sort of depicted. Um, so we have witnessed, I think in this season, unless I'm mixing it up, Rick attempt suicide mm-hmm. once. Um, and we also see Rick trying to find meaning in a lot of unhealthy sort of coping mechanisms like uh, substance use or, or risky behaviors or reckless behaviors, uh, things like that. So I think I, we don't know exactly what got Rick to this point, um, if there was a specific event or if it's just kind of his personality configuration or, or just kind of he has the genetic predisposition to experiencing this kind of pain or, or hurt inside. We don't know exactly what happened that got Rick to this point, but I do think he is in a place where he is not doing very well in terms of his mental health. And, you know, so that is certainly a recurring thing we see about characters that on the outside they look narcissistic or antisocial, meaning violating social norms. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how he has features, narcissistic features and antisocial personality disorder features. Mm-hmm. He's callous towards other people. He's sensation-seeking. Mm-hmm. He... Um, what's sometimes called a parasitic lifestyle he's not he's kind of um living off of other people Mm -hmm. basically so there's a bunch of that stuff going on 
And I think that usually the depiction or maybe even the folk wisdom about it is that deep inside those people are really hurt. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about like, there's pretty good evidence to suggest that that's not always the case. There are people who just legitimately are callous or unemotional. Mm -hmm. They're psychopathic. They are narcissistic and they don't actually feel bad about it. They're not masking pain. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people who are like that and they're kind of masking it. Um, So I guess I just want to point out that sometimes like that's not always true. Like even though the idea is like, oh, someone wouldn't need to be telling everyone how great they are if they were really secure inside. Well, maybe that's true. But a lot of times if you think you're really great and you think that other people don't recognize it, you might tell everyone that too. Yeah, it's true. I think that this is a, I don't know if it's, I will say pretty common, but it is a common trope that Mm -hmm. I think in some ways romanticizes kind of this is it it's kind of like the struggling artist or the struggling genius kind mm-hmm. of thing like i'm thinking of house yeah uh, or even uh sherlock holmes in the sherlock bbc series where there's this person who's just so incredibly intelligent but they're also kind of tortured because of their intelligence as well in some ways yeah so it does i think romanticize that a little bit or even the, the idea that like they're in pain and that's why they cause pain to others so yeah. if you can like show them love or connect yeah Yeah. that they can change and sometimes i actually think that can be maladaptive now as a therapist i i believe that to be you know true in a lot of cases i Mm -hmm. think that you can connect if someone is avoiding and that's really what's going on but in other cases there are people um who have characteristics like that and it's not motivated by masking pain right it's motivated by other things like perhaps some of it's just some of their personality traits. So I do think it's it's not as interesting, though, if mm-hmm. you're watching a character and they don't have redemptive qualities. Right. Yeah. That's not, or it's there aren't the, these layers, right? It's like, yeah. oh, he's just doing all this stuff because that's just who he is versus, yeah. like, he's in a lot of pain and he's masking it through alcohol and distractions. Now, again, none of this is saying, oh, like, it excuses his sometimes really cruel behavior it's just saying that there's more to it than that and there's more likelihood that someone like that could change because it means that they are having distress deep down in their behaviors or if you know they're doing it because they're not coping with their pain so it it is an interesting opening into him as not just this total jerk yeah when you that's a diagnostic i I like that Uh, (laughs) i was just reminded of a tangent when you said a character arc where in the person our character doesn't have any redemptive qualities and mm-hmm. I was reminded of Walter White from Breaking Bad yeah. who is I think is a, a rare example of that where it is interesting because it's at least my opinion that Walter White does not have any redemptive qualities no, in the end. but it's weird because he gets he turns that way because like at least in my opinion because the power changes yeah. like he starts <clears throat> off as like a totally understandable position mm-hmm. like he cannot get the health care he needs for yeah. his family and then the power like i think some of that right of course always interacts with some of his own characteristics anyway yes but then he has this he can't his ego basically yeah. builds through this stuff oh yeah it's interesting where it gets to the point where it gets to a couple of points one, they have so much money. His family would, mm-hmm. would never need... Where he should have just stopped. Right. He, he wouldn't have needed to continue hurting people or doing the mm-hmm. things. And also it gets to the point where the good that he was trying to do for his family is so outdone by all of the negatives they've experienced because of the things they've done, that he's done. 
or that have been done to them, but he continues on this path anyway. And that's where it becomes clear it's not about helping his family anymore. It's about building an empire and being this warlord or whatever. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, he lets Jane die from an overdose yeah. and knowing what that'll do to Jesse. Mm-hmm. And he just is so self-centered. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I guess a little towards the end, you see like a slight softening when he's trying to help Skylar at least to get a little I detached think from when it, he finally gets to the barely. point where he realizes it's all done yeah he, it's not going yeah that's further. true i think that's when he finally does do that anyway that's yeah. it that's the breaking but that is podcast. interesting because it does start it does take someone rather than the usual pathway of like they're just really callous and likable and then you learn these things about them it's like he's likable and then like he turns into mm-hmm. ending up doing a lot of horrible things it's like the walter white arc versus the anakin skywalker arc, yeah exactly anakin, at the very end you know he, he comes back to the lake mm-hmm. but walter really doesn't goes full circle with that yeah with that anakin so beautiful i know yeah I love Star Wars. I do too. But anyway, Rick and Morty. So so anyway, um, that's the other thing. And then why do you think Morty ends up deciding to keep Rick around? I it's tough, you know. I think, despite whatever, I don't think there's anything that Rick could do to Morty, uh, or maybe to anyone else, that would, especially to Morty that. Morty would ever turn Rick away completely. I really don't. And I'm not sure I totally understand why that is yet. He just has this... It's not a respect, certainly. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think he respects Rick anymore at this point. But he has this connection with him that he's just not able to give up. I just wonder if it's this family connection of a grandparent or a parent. And, like, you know, this is also another theme that we see. That even when parents or grandparents or caregivers, whoever do these horrible things there's just this like drive to be connected to them that's pretty hard to override even in some cases where terrible things happen um you know there's this movie i really like antoine fisher i don't know if you ever saw it. it's based Mm -hmm. on a true story but in this case um it's really good the therapeutic aspects are good too denzel washington is a therapist and not to go too much on a tangent but basically he grew up in a horrible childhood but he has this he still has this desire to be connected to mm-hmm. his parent. Like, it just hasn't gone away. Yeah. You know? One thing that I wonder a little bit about is Morty, he has a lot of, like, the kind of typical teenage behaviors, but I think at his core, he's a fairly selfless person. Yeah. And I don't wonder if some of it that maybe, and I don't think this is explicitly shown, and maybe I'm digging, but is related to his mother, Beth, and her relationship mm-hmm. with Rick and how hurt she was that when he was gone and how happy she's been to have him around again. And if maybe, you know, to know that his mom would have to go through that again, maybe that could be part of it. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And also, Morty is, he's anxious. Maybe he thinks oh, yeah. that Rick is just going to totally destroy the world even more if there's not yeah. some, like, force that's tempering him mm-hmm. a little bit. Even... I mean, I don't know how much Morty thinks about that kind yeah. of stuff. It's hard to... But I could see that, too, just being like, you know, maybe he just legitimately wants him around, or he's thinking about his mom, or he's just like, I at least have some influence over this, yeah. even though it's only a little bit. Yeah. And if he's gone, maybe it just feels bad for him. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's possible. I think that might be right. So. Well, the it's... show would have probably ended after that episode so that might have been another motivation. yeah that's true too it would have been just rick <laughs> just, or just morty or just morty sorry, <laughs> maybe two separate shows um one sort of to digress a little very i don't know how they thought of this character uh abra dolph linkler 
There's the combination, DNA combination of Adolf Hitler and Abraham Lincoln. Ah. Pretty weird character. Yes. Yeah. So I have a lot to unpack with that character. I don't remember exactly. They explain how this character came to be, but Rick is trying to avoid him, and I can't remember exactly if Rick created this person. I think he did, maybe. So pretty weird. It's just it's just so Rick and Morty. Yeah, the show's real weird. <laughs> Real weird. <laughs> in conclusion, the show is real weird. So it's funny because the last two episodes, which was the last podcast episode we recorded, had a lot, but I don't have a ton more than no, we're this talking is about, about it. here. Yeah, this might be a brief episode, folks. Yeah. I don't have much else to say. Me neither. I mean, we really, we really, I, this is a, a setup episode, but we know Rick is hurting and there's some stuff going on. We've met some of his friends who have come into play. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, we'll catch you next time.